you prioritizing your mental health and choosing yourself is not the selfish choice. Mm. It enables you to better show up for your career, for your family, for your loved ones. Have you ever wondered whether there's actually a sustainable way to balance a healthy and meaningful life with your busy schedule? Well, you're in luck, Balancer, because I did too. And the Balancery podcast is now a dedicated space to be curious in finding a balance that just works. Because since we're being honest here, balance isn't a one-size-fits-all. I'm your host, Erica, and let's dive into today's episode. All right, Balancers, today's guest is someone we are re-inviting on the show. Uh, and for that reason, I'm not going to introduce her by what she does. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to introduce her by who she is. Um, described by loved ones, she's caring, intelligent, humble, and loving. And I can definitely say from previous interactions, even just from briefly chatting to her before we've sat down today, she's definitely down to earth. And I'm super excited to chat to you again today and get to know you even more. So Kelsey Wells, a warm welcome to the Balance Series again. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. I will say I've done a lot of interviews, a lot of podcast interviews. I started my own after our first one here and yours has stuck in my mind. I was telling Nicola actually on the way here that um, I'm so excited to chat to you again because I feel the same of you. You're so kind and warm and I really remember our conversation as just being a safe space to be very authentic, which is what I think podcast should be about. So thank you for having me back. Beautiful. Well, that's, you know, my only intention is to hold that space and share conversations. So I'm really glad you had that experience. You're and doing so well. I was going to, um, I was actually going to ask you about your podcast. So for everyone listening, last time we spoke off air, we were talking and you're like, you know, I've been thinking about doing a podcast. And I was like, you should definitely do one because yes. I feel like you're just, you have so much to share and you have such <laughs> a, much, a beautiful, no, it's just like a, a really vulnerable way to connect with people. And I think, I think it's really nice to see that side Thank of people you. that you don't often get to see on social media. So I wanted to ask you, how is the podcast experience going? Are you enjoying oh, it? I mean, it's been one of the most fulfilling things that I've done in my career. I have done, so I started it pretty soon after I was on. I did it for one year. Mine was very undone. In, in my career, so much of what I've done has been very highly planned and produced, and that's wonderful. But for this... I just needed it to be the opposite. I needed it to be um, completely off the cuff. Like, I just mean, I recorded you. the episodes. I would just sneak downstairs in my basement whenever I felt like it. I would record and I'd hit publish and there was no editing. There was no like intro. It was just like the very raw. And for me, that's exactly what it needed to be in the beginning. And I did one season. I think I had 42 episodes. I started out weekly and then it was kind of like I started traveling and it was here and there. But all in, I mean, I learned so much and... It was just a, like we were talking about, such a safe space and the right medium for me to really like fully, freely get into answering a lot of the questions I'm often asked online where it's just like not really the appropriate place to mm. put it in an Instagram caption or I try to, but I have to summarize it and then no one's really reading it anyway. So Doesn't it's land like, the same yeah, way. it just feels, it was so freeing and it was so fulfilling. And so I'm, I'm going to kick off season two. I don't have a date yet, but I'm very much looking forward to that and continuing yeah, to create that space for myself and others as well. Beautiful. It definitely is like a really nice space to just, you know, I, f I always felt like I wasn't that creative because my sister's an artist and the little one, she she makes clothes. Like, so they have all these creative cool. skills. And I never thought I was creative until I started podcasting. Good. And I was like, it's actually, I find it to be such a creative yeah. outlet for yeah. me personally. And it's something I'm really, really enjoying. You're very good at it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And are you still, I know you often share 
or sometimes like poetry that you write, which <laughs> yeah, I actually I really, I find it really, really beautiful. Is oh. that like a hobby of yours or just something that same thing you just use as a bit of an outlet? I think um, it's how I process a lot of my trauma. Mm. <laughs> um, I have always written poetry. Like I remember writing poetry when I was like third, fourth grade. Um, it's just some, it's some, oh, an outlet. It's always mm. been an outlet for me. And as I've gotten older, especially in the last like, decade of my life and into my career it's been very therapeutic for me and kind of a way to just process things and articulate things that I have a very hard time um figuring out until mm. they kind of come out in that way and then once they do I'm more able to speak to those things and have a better perspective so I don't know like I'm not sure if that's normal but for me that's kind of like I'm not like trained in poetry I haven't mm. studied it like I wouldn't say it's not like that um, it's just kind of, it just kind of comes out. I guess. Yeah, it's it's a it's a natural outlet, like a yeah, passion for yeah. you. No, I think you're very good at it, and I always enjoy reading it. So I was just curious well, if it was you. something you do intermittently. But it's, I think it's such a powerful thing to know what your outlet is. Like sometimes for me, it's writing stuff out, not necessarily in poetry, mm -hmm. just more like freeform yeah. whatever's in my head. Or yeah. sometimes it's more just sitting with the yeah. thoughts. So yeah. I think everyone has their own outlet, Absolutely. right? But it's so powerful to know what yeah. that is. It is. Um, if we kind of circle back, I know last year you had an injury which mm. kind of put you out for a little bit. And oh, um, when we talk about injuries or these moments in our life, whether it be an injury or travel or pregnancy, whatever it is, where you can't train. Yeah. I think obviously there's the physical aspect of I can't move right now, I can't do what I'm used to. But I think the mental toll that takes is a lot greater, far greater in fact. Yeah. And so I'd love if you could just share, I mean, I know I know you did online at the time yeah. and it was a bit of a tough time for you. Mm -hmm. If you could just talk to us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I mean, how many hours do we have? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think I actually did a podcast about this and I called it the mental reality of physical injury because exactly what you just said. It was a shock to me how difficult it was for me mentally. Mm. Um, I think that injury is such a normal part of the human experience. Like you're like people get injured in life, like things happen, but until it happens to you, it's just completely out of sight, out of mind. Mm. But then if it's you, it's so all encompassing. And if it's a loved one, it's, um, I mean, I feel for the changes that it made to our family, to my son, to my husband, just you know, my career, it was, and certainly for me, a physical injury was a little bit different since I'm a trainer and much of my career is very physical. And sure. so much of what I had planned, you know, was all of a sudden out the window. And I think my injury, so if you're not sure what we're talking about, I had a skiing accident um, and I took a jump I didn't see coming. I barely knew how to ski. <laughs> uh, and long story short, I hurt my ankle pretty bad. I wrecked it pretty good and I needed a reconstructive surgery. And um, then began like this healing journey. And it was interesting because at first with the injury, I didn't know, you know, how bad it was. I thought oh, I must've sprained it really good that you have so much adrenaline. You know, I skied the rest of the run down on it. And, um, basically I remember going and being told like, Oh, you're going to need a boot for probably like four to six weeks. And I was gutted. I mean, I came home and I was like, babe, like, what am I going to do? Like I have this filming and I have this. Well, I mean, you know, flash forward four weeks later, doing the MRI and finding out like what I've really done to it and realizing that I made it worse during those four weeks and then finding out that it was indeed far 
a far different thing. I was like, wow, what I would give to have it just be four weeks Maybe. in a boot, right? But um, I think it's interesting to look back and see how much it's shaped my journey the last two years in really positive ways. And I think that this is important because, I mean, I, I have to choose to be a positive person. I've worked hard to um, rewire the way that I think about myself, about my body, and about life in general to be more positive and more grateful. And while that's something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, and I certainly, like, I can't say, like... I'm glad it happened in a sense I really am only because I I think that if anyone's really honest with themselves it is your darkest nights and your toughest challenges in life that provide you the greatest opportunity for growth and this I had no clue what how deeply it was going to impact me both my mental health um, certainly my physical health and the developing in my career as a trainer, just the awareness, the humility, the understanding and compassion that I have on a new level. Um, truly going back to being a beginner mm. at a very advanced stage in my like athleticism and relearning how to literally walk, let alone lift weights, right? It was just, it gave me so much insight that I wouldn't have come by another way. And it also gave me the opportunity to face some old demons and struggles that you know, I thought I had healed from and really learn more about myself mm. and heal in a more, in a fuller capacity maybe. And so I am grateful looking back, but I think to sum it up, it's like, if you're going through an injury right now, I think the one thing that I want you to hear is to give yourself so much grace. Like it is okay to be overwhelmed, to be sad, to be angry. You know, it's always, um, hard. I remember kind of sharing about it and getting emotional and I got so much backlash and hate because it's like, well, people are dying. Like, how could you complain? And that's of course true. Like it's always good to keep a perspective of your blessings. And of course things could always be worse, but also your pain is always valid. Mm. And also your struggles are real. And while I did choose to be grateful throughout the whole thing, it was unhealthy for me to try to minimize what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say like, give yourself grace, be gentle with yourself, allow all of the feelings, all of the emotions and, and let it unfold. And just remember that like these, these periods of time that are really hard can lead to huge, huge, um, yeah, moments of growth and, and can become very fulfilling and maybe change your path in a direction that is even better than you thought it was going to be. Absolutely. I was, um, kind of reflecting on something similar. It was in the context of failures, right? And looking at things in our life as failures. And the idea to me was like, it's really hard to look at anything in your life as a failure or a setback when it actually always sets you up for what's next, right? It yeah. always has I uh, love that thought. a place, right, in, in, in your life, no matter how good or bad it is, what the context of the situation is. But the power of hindsight is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you're going through the thick of it, it can be really difficult to you know, find the gratitude, find the silver yeah. lining and, and, and think of what role is this playing in my life? Why is yeah. this happening to me? It's very easy to fall in that victim mentality rather than, you know, that beautiful reframe rather than why is this happening to me? It's why is this happening for me? 
You know, it's asking yes. that things the things are happening for you, even if you can't see it. And I think it's that faith, right? Because mm. it's like you won't see it in the at the time, and mm. that's okay. It's believing that the universe. I really do believe that universe is working for my good. Mm. It's really simply put, and I have to hold that belief, but also at the same time accepting that I'm I can't force how, what that's going to look like or when I'm gonna see it. So it's like, while I hold that belief, it doesn't mean that what you're going through isn't hard mm. or horrible and that that's okay too. Yeah. Like it's okay. I think there's, I think the line, like sometimes thriving looks and feels a hell of a lot like barely surviving. <laughs> and I like to remind myself that sometimes because it's like, there's, it's almost like we've been taught or told or we've all adopted this mentality that like you're either killing it or you're somehow failing like you mm. said or digressing or struggling or it's like you're either on or you're off but it's not that simple and there's so many facets of life where you could be doing really well while at the same time struggling with something else or your heart could be really happy from one success or one beautiful thing but also broken over something else at the exact same time mm -hmm. like we are and not or and that's something that I feel like life has taught me again and again and again so it's like in moments like that you don't have to know you don't have to see just trust that yeah like something good will come yeah even it's if that, it's not right now it's that like beautiful surrender piece right it's yeah. like you don't actually need to have all the answers you don't need to wait until oh i see the silver lining to have that faith yeah. or that trust i'm very similar i have a similar belief in terms of the universe and how it's always conspiring in my favor I love it. you know yeah. you've got to tell it feels yourself good yeah. yeah um i'm interested to know if as a result of what you went through lessons you learned different perspective you've got now have any of your habits or just general approaches to fitness changed yes. as a consequence? Absolutely. Um, the most like obvious is that I train all low impact. I thought right you were going to say that you don't ski anymore. <laughs> Actually, we're gearing up for season three. I'm like, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I can't give it up. Um, maybe it's my stubborn nature, but also it's like I won't allow fear to dictate my decisions. I love that. And we did really make the decision to learn how to ski as a family. It was very intentional. It's an investment of time and mm -hmm. financial investment. And we live in the world's greatest snow in our backyard. And it's like, I see decades, hopefully, of beautiful family memories and time spent with my son when he's maybe a teenager and our activities are not as plentiful as they are when he's nine, right? It's like, I, I'm not gonna give up hope of the reasons we chose to ski because I'm scared. No, I love um, that. I'm going to be more cautious, 100%, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to be smarter. Um, I want to get better. But anyway, I think, yeah, like, I went through this phase. So with my injury, I was on complete bed rest the first two weeks, like, like laid in the same position on my couch for two weeks. Only could get up to go to the restroom with assistance. That was very rough. I've never been on bed rest in my whole life. Um, and then after that, and I was in, like, a splint. So it was, like, a it was very dangerous to move around in case something touched it. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I went into a hard cast for six weeks and <clears throat> with crutches. And then when the cast came off, I, th I was told like, then you can start walking. And I didn't realize that meant like, then you'll have the opportunity to, to try to learn how to walk again, but it's going to be really painful and take time. That's what they should have told me. Right. But, um, I remember taking that first step in PT and just losing it. It hurt so bad. I mean, I was so, scared. I just felt so defeated. I felt like the road was so long, but basically 
after physical therapy, like daily physical therapy for gosh, maybe eight weeks, um, I was walking without my crutches and, um, sometimes a little bit of a limp, but anyway, it was like, I, I then was able to start kind of getting back to working out mm -hmm. and like, um, resistance training. Um, and I had this goal of getting back to where I was pre-injury. I felt like it was just a natural thing. And somewhere along the line, probably about a year after my surgery, I realized like, why, like, why am I holding myself to some standard like for what, like the way, why did I think that I had to go back to training the way that I was training pre-injury? And I think it was a little bit ego driven. Mm. I think it was also a little bit fear-based and I'm a huge advocate for the power of intention in everything. And when I get really honest with myself, like that is how I call myself out and that is how I make change in my life. And that is how I can, um, self-correct the most quickly is like, what's my intention with this? What's mm -hmm. my intention in this conversation? What's my intention with this meeting? What's my intention with this decision? Like what's my motivation for doing this thing today? Mm -hmm. As big or as small, if I can be honest with myself about why I'm doing it, then I can see myself a little bit more clearly. And I realize, you know what? Maybe like getting back to my 44 inch box jump doesn't need to be my priority. Like what would that serve, mm -hmm. right? And um, the way that I was training before, it was pretty intense. Like I did five to six full power sessions a week. I would do hit sprints just for fun, probably a couple times a week. I loved box jumping. I liked doing plyo kind of just like, you know, just like kind of fun, flashy things just kind of cause I could really. And I think like it was fun and it was exciting. It was a fun ways to like challenge myself and like get those goals. But now it's like, I had different goals and going through an injury like that, it really, um, made me see how fragile the human body can be and how, um, delicate life is. I mean, I was going through a lot of other things at this time. Um, um, grieving the loss of my grandma. And I think it just hit me like, I, like if my why for fitness is what I always say that it is, which is to care for myself and my health, my main goal needed to shift in my like imminent training mm. and what I was trying to work towards. And it no longer was about doing those cool things. It was truly about obviously helping my body continue to recover, but most importantly, training in a way today that my future self and my future health would thank me for. Because if I am lucky enough to have 10, 20, 40, 50 more years on this earth in this life, I want to be able to have the ability to walk. I want to be able to be strong enough to like stand up if I fall. And that stability and that strength that comes from lean muscle mass and that comes from strength training, that is my fitness goal. Mm. And I decided like being low impact, it was no longer what I had to do. It was like, okay, this is a choice. This is how I'm choosing to train right now because this is best for myself and my health today and in the future. And I do plyometrics here and there a little bit, I can now, but it's nowhere near my norm. 
and I don't see it adapting back to that either. Like it, I don't even have that desire. It's mm. like, I want to be strong. And so I actually, um, out of all of this shift came my newest program, which is called power strength. It's a lifting program, but it is all low impact because I was having to modify my own power program during this time. And I'm like, why on earth don't I just have a killer gym based lifting program, but that's all low impact and no plyo, like no cardio exercises. It's just true lifting. And so I created it out of this place of how I've been training for the last 18 months and my body feels better than ever. And I feel better than ever. And it's like that shift within myself and my view on life and my training style came from my injury ultimately. Mm -hmm. And that is something And this program then was born from that. Right. And it's like, man, I, I'm so grateful, you know, it's like, that's the biggest shift that I've made and I don't see it changing back anytime soon. Well, firstly, thank you for sharing that tough time in your life. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Secondly, I think it's really important what you've shared, because I think there are many times in life and I've experienced this. I know people around me have experienced this where you really sit there wishing you were just training like you used to or had the energy like you used to and when I really think about that where you are today is a is a product of everything you've learned everything you've acquired mistakes you've made absolutely it's almost like wishing for what you were yesterday whether it be like your physical fitness or whatever it is it's almost doing your current self like a disservice mm -hmm. and I think it's almost it's such a nice way to be able to reframe and just appreciate where you are and I also think it cuts ties with that expectation again something I definitely resonate with where you almost expect to always have be this at the same level you know which is so yeah, unrealistic and it is yeah if we kind of peel that back and even talk about balance like I yeah. never never talk about balance in the sense where you're trying to find this equilibrium this happy medium life is absolutely full of ebbs and flows mm -hmm. and sometimes it's the duality right you're experiencing yeah. a massive high and a massive low at the same time mm -hmm. which we're not really trained to understand how to yeah. deal with and so balance for me is having the tools or having the flexibility to move through life so that you can re-pick yourself up where I you need that. to so your kind of whole re-approach to your training and cutting ties with just wanting to be exactly where you were and just embracing where you are and for better or for worse having that injury it's got you to where you are today with this new program that's you know going to help people that maybe you didn't even realize had this middle need yeah. for a low impact strength program yeah it's, it's quite a beautiful thing to, you know to come full circle and realize Thank that you. those things they now serve you for where you are and what you're doing today 100 mm. percent. i appreciate that and i agree i think you said it so perfectly Thank you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One thing I want to ask you about, which I've not actually spoken with anyone yet about on the podcast, comes 
in the conversation of the pressures of external beauty. And I think you're very much like me. Like we, we do a lot of work internally on ourselves for our mental health. But I think we can't deny the ever-present pressure, especially as a woman, as you get older as well, of a need to look a certain way. Now, I want to just preface this conversation by saying I'm not against any anti-aging mechanism, sure. whatever it looks like, Botox, hair dyeing, I'm not anti any of it. Um, but I do think there is actually a privilege with aging, right? And, Absolutely. And again, it kind of comes back to what I said before, when I'm 60, I want to embrace all the things I've learned, all the life experiences I've had at that age. I don't want to look like 20 because that was, I was such a different person when I was 20, yeah. even to how I am now. And so I'm very interested to know just generally maybe your thoughts on the subject and how you find a balance between working and nurturing on that inner self-love and balancing it with external pressures, if that's something you feel. I mean, absolutely. I th like, give me a woman who doesn't feel that way, right? Sure. I think in this day and age. Um, I mean, thank you for talking about this. I think it's so important to talk about. I think it's difficult to talk about. The most important things are, <laughs> I think. Um, it's funny because I wrote a poem about this exact thing, gosh, probably like a year ago or something, but it's essentially like, when is the time in a woman's life when she is allowed to thrive? Because we go from growing up to growing old overnight. It's like, it is, I remember feeling like I went through puberty later in life and I remember being bullied about like not having a chest and being like just feeling like I was behind all my friends and like having this like I just wanted to be a woman you know and then it's like all of a sudden you know you hit 25 and it's like anti-age everything like get Botox like do this you need to you're gonna have wrinkles like it's just so it's cruel and I think I'm I agree with you like I don't inherently think that any beauty treatment from something as simple as painting your nails to getting fillers is wrong I think like I mentioned before, it is, it comes down to your intention and being honest with yourself about, are you choosing to do something because you are internalizing culture telling you that you're not enough without it mm. or you need it? It's a big question. And yeah, it's like I asked myself this question. I began the journey of asking myself this question and then the journey of trying to be honest about it a couple years ago. And it shifted a lot for me. I mean, I I had eyelash extensions for eight years. Like not once did I have did I like not have them in that period of time. And that was stemming from this crazy experience when I was 14 in the bathroom in eighth grade where this girl like teased me about my eyelashes and from that day it was like this massive insecurity and when eyelash extensions came out I could not afford them but I just did it anyway and it was like I just fight it over everything and I realized like whoa I am completely doing this because I'm very insecure without them I think I need them mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not pretty without them yes and so it's like I knew that that needed to stop so I took them off and like I stopped coloring my hair. I stopped wearing hair extensions for a span of five years because I realized I wouldn't do a shoot without them. I felt like I stopped tanning because I felt like I'm not going to film unless I have a tan. If I'm either naturally tan or have a spray tan, but I need a tan. It's like I was doing most of my beauty stuff out of a place of not enoughness. Mm. And that is inherently in unhealthy. And it was so liberating 
to one by one identify these things and take back that control by teaching myself, I don't need that. I don't need any of that. And going down this journey, it's not like an overnight thing. And it has to be, like I said, it's a conscious choice. Mm. But looking back, it's like, wow, I really feel like I finally understand that how I look truly is the least interesting thing about me. And it's not my identity. Mm. And as someone whose public appearance is tied to their brand and... um for better or worse, like under scrutiny on a pretty large scale, that can be really difficult to navigate. And so imagine. it was even more important for me to like get my mind right with myself and kind of make efforts to mitigate internalizing whatever that meant mm. and caring about the external validation or lack thereof or yeah. or opposite thereof, right? It, you get all of it. So it's like, I think... I think a woman can and should do exactly what she wants with her own body. I think things like hair extensions or makeup or whatever it is, or fillers, even the way that you want to dress, like how you present yourself physically to the world, it can be a form of self-expression. It can be, and it can change and shift as you do. It can be a form of self-celebration. It can be a way that you honor yourself and love yourself and treat yourself. But make sure that it's that mm. because you lack nothing and you don't need any of it. And as long as you understand that and you're doing things from that place, then great. But don't let society trying to monetize, trying to make up and then monetize insecurities for you dictate those things. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the line that I try to walk with that. Yeah, I think it's an important line to draw because the two things I've kind of gotten from there is source. Like what is the source yes. of all intention, if we want to call yes. it. it. It really comes down to intention at the end of the day because like we said, nothing is inherently good or bad. It really just comes down to what you make it mean exactly. about yourself, which kind of brings me on to the second thing, which is self-worth. And I remember hearing this really interesting thing and it was like if I said to you, oh, Kelsey, I love your blue pants right now, you'd be like, I'm not wearing blue pants. Like they're black. But if I said to you, oh, uh, you don't look a certain way. Or if I gave you like a backhanded compliment, like mm. or just just nasty things that people can say sure. online, social norms being pushed onto you, right? If I said you look old or whatever, yeah, you would internalize that and be like, oh my god, immediately. Maybe I do. It, right? Yeah. You don't even have that filter or that hurdle to be like, hang on, I'm gonna, am I gonna verify that this is true? Yeah. You, we immediately kind of absorb things and take it as a hit on our self worth. Yeah. Right. When it's not evidently you know something as obvious as the yeah. color of your pants yeah. and so i think that comes down to our own se sense of self-worth yeah. which is something i've been trying to get really granular with this year because i've realized a lot of my worth is has been dependent on my output yeah right and my my level of productivity and i think just going through school and, and university even then going into the workforce yeah. that's how you're raised or trained to even measure. Be, yeah measure yeah. and and that's the validation you get for your worth so i've been spending a lot of time this year trying to unpack that um but i, I think it's that. it's interesting on this level now when you talk about physical beauty and i mean i'm 28 i'm not by any means getting old but i am starting to gray and you know a thought of mine is am i going to color my hair i don't really want to color my hair like who am i going to be coloring it for yeah. but then you do get people like people in my family have said certain comments and i'm just kind of like 
coming back to source, coming back to yeah. my self-worth, whether my hair's blonde, grey, yeah. black, yeah. whatever, doesn't change who I am, no. right, and what I have to offer and give. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I make sure you make that choice for you and what you yeah. want. Yeah, and you know what? In 10 years' and time, I might decide, yeah, yeah exactly. I might decide. Change tomorrow. You know what? I feel like being a blondie today or whatever it go. is. And we'll just roll with it then. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. But, you yeah, know, I love this conversation. It's... um. You know, the whole thinking about aging, I think, scares a lot of people. But I think, like I said before, it's such a privilege. It's the greatest gift. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like tomorrow is not guaranteed. Not the next hour. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Do you have any regular habits? I know you said you've been speaking a lot about, um, sorry, you've been working a lot over the years on your negative self-talk. Do you have any kind of knee-jerk reaction habits that you've trained yourself to do or stuff you just do on a regular basis that helps you stay on top of it because I don't want to I don't want to assume and I mean just in my own experience it's not a case of you never have negative thoughts oh, right never. No, they yeah. they're ever present yeah. it's more how you learn to manage them and what you make them mean about yourself so I'm I just agree. curious if like what kind of practices you have to manage it that's a really good question. And I do agree with you. And I do want to say, like, for s if anyone's listening and they feel like they're in a place where your internal dialogue is negative, I remember I remember living there and feeling like it was just my relationship with myself and my body, my physical body, and also just, like, with myself was um, so negative and toxic. But I thought that that was, like, my inner dialogue. Like, I thought that was my in innate who I was. And I'm just want to say like, that's not true. That's not true for anyone alive. If you're, if you've arrived in a place in your life where you feel so hard on yourself, I just, I promise that like you weren't into born into this world, hating yourself and feeling like you're not enough and that you don't measure up and you were confident. Little kids are so comfortable confident. in their bodies. They live and they move in their bodies so innately and beautifully. And it's like, I don't know, I think it's different, but somewhere along the lines, many of us, especially women, begin to, that light kind of begins to dim. And it's, I really do believe we're victims of obviously diet culture rhetorics being thrown at us and a million other things. But ultimately, if you're at this place where it's unhealthy, it can shift back. Mm. And that work is so important, but it does need to be intentional. And I'm here to say, like, now, like you said, I'm not always feeling confident. I'm not never having insecure thoughts or negative thoughts about myself. But those, the days where that's really prevalent in my mind are now the exception and not the rule. Mm. And that's a complete 180 of how I was 10 years ago. It's not your default. Exactly. And that is the biggest transformation, period. And that transformation has been the catalyst to any and every success in my career or in my life because mm -hmm. I simply could not be the mother that my son deserves or the wife that I want to be or the friend or sister or daughter if I, when I was spending so much time in my day consumed with what I was putting in my mouth and putting myself down. Mm. 
And I couldn't see it like that for a long time. But making the choice to do that self-work, the reason I say it like that is because it's not selfish. Mm -hmm. And lots of people, they just think, well, it's not about me. Like I'm in the trenches, I'm a mom or I'm, you know, I, it's like you're, you're worried about everyone else. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But it's never selfish to work on yourself. Mm. And you don't need to be a martyr. When it comes to your self-worth and your self-talk, you do not need to self-sacrifice. It is not in anyone that you love's best interest to do so. Yeah. So prioritize your mental health. Prioritize your emotional well-being and your physical, of course. But it's funny because it was actually the first like habit that um, like practical, tangible tip, I guess, that I began with was back right when I was a new mom, kind of when everything started for me. And it was my husband. Um, he... Obviously, like I tried to keep it mostly inside, but I would let things slip. I'd see someone or I'd compare myself or I'd put myself down. And if and he one day he just said, like, this isn't like this is not good. Like you're saying this a lot. And how can we help? Like you wish so much you could make the people that you love see themselves as you see them, but you can't. Sure. But he just so lovingly suggested to me, like, I'm going to help you shift this. And he said, look, if I hear you say something negative about yourself, you have to stop no matter what we're talking about, what we're doing. And you have to verbally out loud, say three kind things about yourself. And he wasn't kidding. And it was like torture, you know, and it was scary how often (laughs) it started to happen. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't just let me like shirk it off either. Like sometimes I'd have to sit there and it'd take me a minute. And at first it was never about like my physical appearance, but it was just like, I, if I verbalized something negative about me, I had to consciously think about three positive things about myself Mm. and that simple practice alone. And then I started to do it in my own mind, right? If I looked in the mirror after I got out of the shower and I am, you immediately go to like what you think is a flaw. It's like, no, I forced myself to stand there and look at my body and remember that it grew a child and that that's a miracle. Mm. And remember that it keeps me alive every day and just loves me, regardless of how horribly I speak to her or treat her. My body just is my best friend anyway. And those, it sounds weird or it sounds uncomfy, and it is at first, but those tangible things of calling yourself out essentially and redirecting those thoughts because they're going to come, that's how you begin. That's one of the ways you can begin to shift that self-talk. And that is kind of where I personally started. And it gets easier. And then guess what? Like the negative does lessen. Mm. And that's just like one of many practices that you can use, right? But I think in some, like if you're at that negative place where that's your norm, please do the work. Like however that looks for you, there's no nothing more important. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really, um, it's a good tip that people can take away and, and maybe just start to ideate on or think about or even asking someone in the house to hold them accountable. I think yeah. as confronting as that can be, it's a good way to keep you in check. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is for people to realise that when you're in this negative loop, if it's been happening for years and years and years, it's not something that's just going to stop the second no. you start doing the work, right? No. It's ongoing and even... I can only speak from my own experience, but even myself, it's been a few years now that I've been 
having more intention, focusing yeah. on myself, considering my thoughts. And it doesn't mean I never have negative thoughts and it doesn't mean I don't fall into those spirals sometimes, but your bounce back becomes mm -hmm. better. Yeah. So I think don't use that as a sign that you're failing. Never. Just use it as a sign of you've just got another opportunity to keep yeah. practicing. Yeah, you know? and, healing and practice is never linear. Perfect. Not physical healing, not emotional healing, none of it. Like Absolutely. it will always be just because you're dealing with the same trigger that you think you healed from again doesn't mean that you failed. Doesn't mm. mean that like you the progress is lost. Mm. I I like to believe that you are facing that trigger from a new anger mm. angle as a more healed and stronger version of you. Yeah. And this time when you face it, you're going to be even stronger and have a deeper perspective of that. But never shame yourself for facing something again. Yeah. Absolutely. That's not fair. 100% agree. So when you're kind of going through these periods where you may be feeling a little bit down or you're just dealing with some internal things, how do you find a way to still show up for your family or your community? Or do you take some time, take a minute to, to kind of be there, hold space for yourself? Or have you found a way to kind of manage both at the same time? Because I can imagine with, you know, the amount of people that follow you and the community you kind of have to show up for them ongoingly yeah. so yeah. I just wonder how you manage that with like your own personal struggles from time to time you know it's interesting and I'm gonna be super honest I mean I'm always quite honest but this is something I've never verbalized to anyone outside of my closest people but I, I I feel like I'm kind of learning that lesson like real fresh right now in the sense of this year um, was so busy and beautiful, and I've done so much um, career-wise, which has felt so good. But also, I think I I would have struggles come up, or I could feel myself and my energy just like um, struggling. And I just was like, I don't have time. Like I don't have time to deal with this. So we just keep the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I remember, gosh, maybe like a few weeks ago, I was kind of having a mental breakdown and I was just like, oh, but I have to post and I have to do this. And then, and my close friend was like, but Kelsey, you don't. Like you don't. Ultimately, like what do you say to other people? Like what, like it's okay. Just like don't get on social media for five days. Just like don't open your phone. Because you have to prioritize yourself. And if it comes to push and shove and you can't do both, because I've always just tried to do both. Like I just said, like it is most important to look after my own mental health first. Now, my husband and my son, I feel like, and I don't know if this is right or healthy or normal, but like, I feel like they're an extension of me. Mm. They truly like serving them and loving them and caring for them is um, very innate within me. And I feel like it is very healing for me. And, but when it comes to anyone else or anything else, I often like slip into putting myself back. And then it's like, I get to a place where I'm like, well, I'm now really needing to press pause and, you know, kind of admit to myself, like, we're not okay right now. And something's got to give. And so cognizantly having to be like, okay, well, then I am going to choose me for a minute, right? Mm -hmm. um, just a couple of weeks ago, I I got off Instagram for like five days. I didn't post. And that was the longest break I've had in probably years. And how did that feel? Um, really good. And to be honest, the first two days, it felt panicked because I didn't like make that choice. It was just like, 
oh, like I need to post, I need to post. Need. And then finally I was like, actually, no, I'm not. I'm just not going to. And I don't know what I'm going to. I'm just not. And then it turned out to be a few more days. And then it was like I just did when I wanted to. And it was just it, it taught me a lot about a lot of things. But ultimately it's like, I don't know, maybe a silly metaphor. But for like if I can kind of like put it more succinctly, it's like you kind of back to that, like you prioritizing your mental health and choosing yourself is not the selfish choice. Mm. It enables you to better show up for your career, for your family, for your loved ones. So make that choice, especially when you need to. And that's a lesson that I'm relearning right now and continue to learn throughout my life. And also, I just feel like I keep a few times in this conversation, meditation has just kept coming to my mind because I do want to say, I think it's shocked me how much of a difference a meditation practice has made in my life. Mm. I would say more powerfully than physical fitness, which I would have never said that for the first five years of, you know, training regularly. But when I couldn't train, I could still meditate and it kept me sane. And it's not because of anything except it's taught me how to be with myself and where you're at and be in my emotions and let myself feel them without judgment, mm -hmm. without assigning, well, okay, I'm crying or I'm feeling super angry. Why am I angry? And I think sometimes it's good to like go and label, you know, and like understand where things are coming from. But sometimes you just need to let things out. If you don't process your emotions, your body is going to keep the score mm -hmm. and that's going to manifest later. And so it's like, if you can regularly carve out space for people like you and I who are busy and driven and always just like focusing on the next, the next, the next, it's like carve out a time to just be with yourself and your feelings mm -hmm. and hold space for yourself. Essentially, it's a very powerful and productive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And just one more thing that came to mind for me on this subject when you were just sharing, and thank you for sharing that as well, um, is when you're posting, right, and you're not really in the mood to show up, what's your intention there, right? Is it, yeah. is it what's the source? Is it that you feel like you need to show up? Is it that you're showing up because you want to show up? And I think it's just interesting to think about the intention or the source of that need at yeah. that point in time. And, and if you kind of use that as a marker, right, and you're like, you know what, I actually don't feel like showing up when you don't. Or if you do show up when you don't, feel like showing up I wonder if that translates into because I feel like I've done that before I'm like I have to post all the time I have to be present yeah and it's never as good it just feels very like superficial when I'm posting sure. like there's no heart behind it I'm sure. just posting almost for the sake of it yeah versus when you're posting because you want to post yeah. I think just that's so source. for me there are contractual obligations sure for a certain amount of posts per week and if I'm not a couple years ago I stopped pre-planning all my posts um, because I wanted to be more in the moment. I wanted to be very authentic and like say what I felt when I thought it. And that was like a very big freedom and gift for me, uh, which is a whole other conversation. But that's been a beautiful thing. But also there are the times where I don't want to, but I have to. Mm. And I do agree with you. I think the content is obviously not as powerful, but I have also learned that in those times where it's like, okay, I don't feel like posting, I don't really want to show up, but I need to, instead of just doing something out of that intention, I wait until I get an inspiration. So I'll meditate that morning and then I'll be like, I kind of set an intention of like what 
I'm going to wait until I feel like I have something to say. And usually the advice that I'm posting comes from something I need to hear myself. Mm. So maybe an hour later, maybe that moment when I'm meditating, maybe when I'm driving to the gym, maybe during my session, whatever, talking to Anderson, a thought comes to my mind that helps me have a little bit of peace or healing. And I'm like, okay, I'll share that. Mm. So I, you're exactly right. Like when it's out of that place of need, it's never as authentic, but I know that I am a being that can channel inspiration and creation and I don't need to rush anything Mm -hmm. and something I'm not going to say something unless I mean it and so I wait and I'm patient and sometimes it takes longer than others but like that's been a big lesson for me too you know beautiful no I think that's great especially for anyone listening who is in the field of content creation I think that just coming back to yourself and like using just even just posting what you need to hear I think is a really good um that's a really good prompt as well Quick question, uh, just before we wrap up, when you say you meditate, because I have a, mm-hmm. a regular meditation practice as well. Every day I like to do 10 minutes before I start work, but Beautiful. I'm still I'm still in the guided meditation space. Okay. I don't I haven't can I challenge you. I haven't, yeah, you can. <laughs> I haven't yet ventured into just sitting in nothingness. And I've done it from time to time, but I prefer being guided. But please, what's your challenge? So a friend challenged me when I began mine and it changed my life. Okay. Apps like the Calm app or whatever, they, they have a place they can be great. But it is, I would really say it is not the same thing mm-hmm. as a silent self-guided meditation. If you really don't want to sit in silence, put on like meditation music without any words. Yeah. But it is so excruciatingly uncomfortable for us to turn everything off and just sit in silence or sit in the noise, sit in the moment. Because there's no When I say silence, there's no such thing as silence, right? If you're a mom, kids, dogs barking, living in a city, there's noise. But nothing is a distraction. Because if you're just being present, anything you're hearing, smelling, seeing, or like thinking thoughts coming in, they're all just part of that present moment. So just being with yourself, that is so powerful. And that is when you will connect with yourself on a deeper level and he challenged me to do seven minutes a day it was so horrible at first but I'm not kidding you it changed my life and I feel like you will be blown away with the inspiration that comes or just the grounding that comes and now I do 20 minutes and um like I said it it keeps me sane I believe you I definitely believe you and I I've been wanting to make the shift for a little while now. I just feel like because I've only got the 10-minute block or whatever in the morning, it's timed. I don't have to think. But I will take you up on the challenge and keep you posted. Remember, you can't fail. Yeah, it's true. It's just observing and being in the moment. just being with you. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, this has been another beautiful conversation. I look forward to whenever we get to catch up, when whatever part of the world we find each other again. Yes. And um, thank you so much for your time today. I'm very grateful and a huge fan of what you do and who you are so thank thank you. you so much it's mutual i appreciate you so much thank you thanks